Greetings, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, welcome to each one here, thank you for coming, being a part of this service, so today for the message we're again in the book of 1st John. And I'm going to uh, read our key verse this morning and then make some comments um, regarding the service so far. <clears throat> so we're in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. In the last message we kind of wrapped up. Quite a bit of chapter 2 there, the last uh, 10 or so verses. Today we're looking at uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So I'm going to actually just focus on about three-fourths of that verse today. Um, the um, I'd like to maybe before we uh, before I actually uh, I'll make I'll make some comments here and uh, regarding one of the songs that we sang. Uh, it fits so well to introduce or goes so well with the message that I decided to wait to share it till now rather than open mic time. Uh, so this song 684, When the Passing World is Done, the last phrase in each verse, Then, Lord, shall I fully know not till then how much I owe. And as uh, I was thinking about that song a bit and, and thinking about uh, this verse, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Um, we're going to take this verse kind of phrase by phrase and look at it this morning, and maybe it'll make more sense when we get into it further. But uh, what manner of love... Um, and to not jump ahead, but to tie the thoughts together a little bit. Uh, this song, Lord, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Um, I got to thinking, so uh, I don't know what it's going to be like uh, when we see the Lord face to face. Uh, I don't exact, you know, I don't know exactly how things will be, and uh, maybe my speculations will all be wrong. <laughs> but I think we can let our minds ponder a little bit, at least. Um, uh, going off of this phrase a bit in this song, not till then, uh, then Lord shall I fully know, not till then how much I owe. 
So what what is it about eternity that's going to help us understand what Jesus, help us understand more fully what Jesus actually did for us? Um, I had to think, okay, let's suppose, I, I have no idea if this will be reality or not, but let's suppose uh, we would get to that point standing before God, before Christ, and let's suppose that uh, there was a great big whiteboard there, and on that great big whiteboard is every sin listed that you, each one of us, as we stand there individually, every sin listed that I ever committed. The thoughts that I thought that were sinful and evil and selfish and sensual and the deeds that I've committed and the wrongs that I've done and the... Um, Let's suppose they were all listed there and we would look at them and realize it's one awful, ugly mess. And then somehow, I don't know, but um, somehow it, maybe this is a... uh, Maybe this is a screen, and, and suddenly the words came on that list. And then suddenly we realize. How much I owe. As we suddenly, you know, now, even now, we, we have, we have in our minds, we can think back to things that are ugly in our lives. But in the light of eternity, that ugliness is going to look awfully ugly. More ugly than it does now. And to then... Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. And that kind of ties in with the message here today. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You know, I I do want to say that... uh, You know, while we, while we fully own and recognize this truth, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb, it never becomes a license to just live a careless life. And like Brother Jury challenged us, uh, we, you know, we, we can't go through life uh, denying our Lord in little ways. We call them little, probably not little. Just figuring, oh well, it's paid by the blood of the Lamb. We have to be careful. There's a tension right there. And and while we recognize as a believer it's true, and yet uh, a careless life uh, and a a disobedient life will eventually lead us away from this reality as well. So, anyway. All right. So back to our verse, our scripture. Behold what manner of love. The Father hath bestowed upon us. 
Maybe we could just take a moment, if you're able, stand with me and and, uh, pray. Father, again, thank you today. Thank you for this service. Thank you for all present here. Thank you for all the bits of inspiration, exhortation, encouragement, challenge that have been uh, part of this service. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray that even this hour, that these uh, thoughts that have been upon my heart, that they can be uh, continue that that uh, truth, that reality of inspiration, of encouragement, of of uh, challenge. Lord, bless us. Bless. Uh, Bless my uh, meditations, my thoughts, as I uh, endeavor to share these things, Lord. Bless each of our hearts as we endeavor to grasp the love that you have had for us. And, Father, may it uh, deepen our commitment to be faithful to you, to be true to you, to uh, be what you want us to be while we're here in this life. So again, thank you. Thank you for each one present. Bless and keep us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, so today, um, the the first word in this verse is behold, and, you know, that's actually what we were just doing here. We were beholding that... Uh, that uh, the that the thought of that ver- word is to fix the eyes upon to to see with attention to observe with care um, other thoughts uh, to stop and examine carefully uh, to try to understand and appreciate so uh, that's what the word behold uh, somewhat uh, what the word behold means you know you um, there's different things that uh, in life that we we behold. You know, we when you behold something, you don't just um, give it a lingering glance and go your way. You you take time to study it. You take time to see what is really there. You know, sometimes maybe maybe here huh? about it. You know, we you can behold it. You can look at it. You can look at the intricate details of what's going on, and you can try to decide what's going on in this guy's mind and this one. And you know, you behold it. You look at it. You don't just uh, take a quick glance, but you study it. Uh, you you uh, try to understand the beauty of it. And, and sometimes we think about it like a sunset or something, uh, and all the various colors that are in the sky on a, on a lovely uh, sunset evening. I'm not sure why it is that uh, every now and then there's a whole bunch of status pictures show up with a sunset, you know. And that's the reason. It's, it's, it's lovely. It's beautiful. It's not the one that happens every day. And so people behold it. They take the time to observe it. They behold it so much they want other people to behold it. So they put it on their WhatsApp status. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, so that's that's the idea of beholding. You know, sometimes, and this one probably is more for us fellas, 
you know, we might uh, behold a fascinating piece of machinery and and uh, see how it all works and and figures out. In fact, I, uh, a couple years ago, we had the opportunity to tour the Toyota plant in where was it? forget Kentucky, northern Kentucky, right? <clears throat> And uh, it was something to behold, you know, something to you, you drive, a, uh, you ride in this little car, train car type of thing and go driving all through the assembly plant and watching these people doing every step of, of assembling this vehicle and, and the various different uh, components of it. And, and uh, sometimes they didn't wait long enough because I wanted to behold it more, you know, I wanted to understand and see more of what was going on there, you know. Uh, I think Brenda would have probably enjoyed that ride. <laughs> um, anyhow, behold, that's what we're talking about, really taking a look at. And John here, the apostle, invites us to behold something. Uh, we're going to dig into it more as we go. Uh, but uh, the, ne- the next idea that he presents us is behold what manner. So let's think about the word manner for a bit. You know, what, uh, uh, what does a word manner mean? And, and, and in some of these things, I, 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 I might get a dictionary definition and I might put my own thoughts to it and adjust it a little bit. But, but manner uh, is uh, kind of the, the thought of, uh, of what possible sort. So, behold what possible sort. Um, Behold what manner. The word is used in other places in scripture, uh, used in similar ways. And I'll I'll, uh, uh, highlight a few of those verses. In Mark or in Matthew 8, 27 says, but the, but the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, you recognize that scripture. Uh, that's Jesus when he rebuked the winds in the boat. And the men looked on and said, What manner of man? What sort of man? What type of man is this? You know, this is not something that happens every day. What manner of man is he? We have another place in Scripture where that word is used. In Luke 7.39, Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw he spake, saw it, and, and this verse will explain itself a little bit. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man... If he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. So here the word manner shows up again. Okay, what type, what sort of woman this is. So that's what this Pharisee was thinking. Okay, so Jesus, if he understood what sort. If he understood the manner, if he understood the makeup of this woman, he wouldn't allow this to happen, is what the Pharisee was thinking. 
So the word manner. Another place it's used is Second Peter 3.11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So there we have this, that word again, what manner of persons. So we had, uh, uh, we had the what manner of man, we had what manner of woman, we have what manner of persons. All different contexts, different ideas, but uh, different contexts. But uh, the, the idea being that So here we have this person. And when they're saying what manner of person, uh, what manner of woman, uh, basically uh, meaning what, you know, what, const- what for constitution she <laughs> She's made a what what uh, goes on her in her heart, what her lifestyle is, what she's been uh, uh, doing with herself, and and that's the manner of person she is. Uh, and of course, with the uh, miracle of the wind and, and the waves, they're looking at this person and saying, "Well, this is not a normal man. So, what manner of man is he, anyhow? You know, what manner?" And so John uses that very same concept to help us understand or to get us uh, thinking a bit. So, uh, we have, uh, and we'll get to the love part later, but we what manner of love, uh, so uh, in order to flesh it out a little bit, he's, he's, uh, so we have this idea of love, but John is saying, okay, examine, examine this love, what manner of love it is, uh, look at it closely, uh, what, uh, what, what, what is the constitution of it? What is the nature of it? What is the... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what manner of love is it? What sort is it? This is not the normal kind of love, is it? This is not the normal, not the average, not the uh, what you typically find. And so John is exhorting us to behold what manner what type, what possible sort, what depth, what amount of love. And so that's what we want to do today, uh, hopefully, uh, try to uh, consider that a bit. So the next uh, phrase, which we've been talking about a little bit already, is, uh, is love. Um, what manner of love What what uh, did this love consist of? What uh, how is this love identified? What does this love look like? Maybe I'll get you to look uh, turn to some of these scriptures. If we just turn ahead a page here in in the in First John to chapter four, verse nine and ten says this, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world 
that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In this, it says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Uh, how do we describe this love? Uh, how do we look into the depths of this love that God had for us? How do we examine it? How, how do we uh, understand it? Um, another, uh, perhaps another way to say it is um, to or to give definition to the word love, what manner of love would be to say it this way, what manner of selfless giving for others benefit. What manner of selfless giving for others' benefit? And that's what we see here in uh, 1 John 4, 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We're all familiar with uh, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. <clears throat> There's a number of verses that speak about this, uh, the idea of God's, uh, God's love for us. In Romans 5, verse 8 is one of those verses which says this, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, God commended, commended, God demonstrated, maybe that's the way to say it. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, uh, an illustration just came to my mind about that. If we were, if we were, uh, if we could picture ourselves in sin, uh, in a, in a, let's just picture sin as a as a pond of filthy, dirty water. So you have this, we all know what a pond is. Some ponds are clean, some fairly clean. Some some ponds are really dirty. They've got algae. They've got all sorts of things in them. And let's just picture ourselves. Uh, we're swimming. We're trapped somewhat in this pond of filthy, dirty water. And uh, and we have no way out. And we are uh, we're stuck in this muck. And God looks on us and sees us in that mess and uh, and he goes to goes to work and uh, and I'm just using natural illustrations so that we can uh, um, wrap our minds around it easily he, he, he comes along with a uh, with a, uh, a lifeboat and comes out to us and pulls us out and brings us on to shore uh, 
he didn't do that. He didn't, uh, in other words, when God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, uh, uh, God uh, made the plan, uh, came up with the plan, came up with the uh, uh, plan of how to save us before, uh, while we were in sin. You know, he didn't, he didn't, tell us to somehow improve ourselves about 50% and then he'll come along and help us with the last 50. He simply put all the plan in place uh, all the while we were enemies of his. Uh, all the while we were had our backs turned toward him. All the while we were enjoying our sin. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And that, uh, the focus in the first part of that verse is how God did not uh, spare his son, but sent him to be the offering for our sins. And we have Ephesians 2. I'm going to read this in the ESV. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And that's, uh, again, it's uh, Ephesians. Paul wrote Romans. Paul wrote Ephesians. He shares some of the same thoughts with a little bit of a different uh, emphasis sometimes but uh, that thought in Ephesians is similar to the one in Romans that while we were even while we were living in sin um, God sent his son to save us to deliver us from sin so behold what manner of selfless giving for others benefit is that true (laughs) What manner of selfless giving for others' benefit, for our benefit? So God uh, gave selflessly of himself, of his son, of, of uh, whatever they were uh, experiencing together up to that point, uh, gave him selflessly so that we could benefit, so that we could be delivered from the pool of iniquity that we made for ourselves. And maybe another scripture you can turn to is Titus chapter 3. This uh, highlights the idea as well. Titus 3, verse 3, uh, through verse, I think we'll go to verse 7. It says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So, I think we can understand that. We ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Uh, 
maybe the list would be different for you, the things that you had a part of your life, but uh, we know we've been there in some point, in some measure, uh, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The um, thing I'd like to just lift out in those verses is in verse 4 there, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. So there... uh, Paul is kind of uh, uh, after the love of God appeared. How did the love of God appear? How did it show up on the scene? Where did it come from? What did it look like uh, after the love of God appeared? Well, we discover down a bit further, uh, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The love of God appeared through Jesus Christ came on the scene in that measure. I mean, does that mean God didn't love the world before? We know he did. We know we've got the whole testament and how God worked with his people. But uh, a new dimension of the love of God came on the scene. So what manner of love How do, we, how do we describe it? How do we uh, understand it? This love that God had for us. And that's, uh, that's what we're trying to, to grasp. And I, I think of the, again of the song that we sang this morning and also of the song that uh, if, uh, if the skies were a parchment and every stalk on earth a quill and the ocean were full of uh, ink to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry you know um, we're, 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 we're trying to understand uh, a concept that we are limited in understanding uh, at this point in this uh, phase of things but anyhow John, I'm and back to First John. Uh, John exhorts us or encourages us to behold what manner of love. Behold, uh, to gaze upon it, to consider the the type of love, the type of uh, what what that love, what kind of love was that? You know, just like the uh, disciples said, "What manner of man is this?" You know, when we look at what God what. Uh, uh, Jesus, God, uh, God did in sending His own Son, and we uh, we say, what manner of love is this? What type of love is this? This is now an unusual, not the common uh, love that is is generally, would you say, generally spoken of. Uh, 
Anyhow, uh, and then he goes on, what manner of love the Father. Uh, just like to think about the Father just for a bit. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth even as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, the uh, the Father... Our Father, the ruler of heaven and earth, the one who uh, is over all, is our Father. We'll look at that a bit more in detail uh, when we get to the uh, the part later where he uh, says that we should be called the sons of God. Uh, we'll d- dive into that deeper at that point, but just to briefly think about uh, the Father and his, uh, the one who is in ultimate control, who is the sovereign authority over all. Um, and I remember in my studies, and I don't remember the verse and the context or the uh, reference, but uh, verse that uh, spoke of God. Um, And the kings of the earth and how God puts in, God takes kings down and God puts kings up. You know, he puts them in their place. And I thought, oh, I should uh, make a note of that one and remember that one when the next election comes around. Uh, because it is true. That's, that's something we never want to lose sight of. God is, in fact, the one who puts kings and leaders in their places and and uh, he's, he's not buffed by the things that are happening on the globe. So our, uh, the Father, the love of the Father. And to whom was that love expressed? We find that in this verse as well, that we, that love was uh, ex- uh, bestow- uh, bestowed upon us. Uh, that we, we as, who are the we? We human beings. We, we might even say we sinful human beings. We undeserving human beings. We uh, mere human beings. We read that verse in Titus, and it is a good place to think about it again. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. That's the we. God God, uh, bestowed his love upon that bunch. You may say it that way. That bunch who were once uh, foolish, disobedient. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And those verses uh, describe very well the state of humanity and and uh, the state of of uh, the people that God looked upon and loved and gave his son for them. That's what he was looking at when he went on with his plan to redeem them. A sinful human race that had turned its back on him. And then the next uh, phrase I'd like to give a little attention to, that we should be called. Should be called. I like that. You know, that uh, that we, we were this uh, sinful bunch. I hate it. Erase this. I was trying to leave it on. But I guess we'll. So, uh, let's put God up here. God here, and uh, and I wrote that too small, but down here we have humanity and their uh, un, un uh, saved sinful condition. So, God um, looked on this uh, deplorable state of humanity with this love that we've been talking about, and uh, and we and it, and through that. Uh, giving of himself, giving his son to die for our sins that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. Uh, And us responding to that love, he gives us a new designation. uh, A new identification. You might say he puts us in a different slot. <laughs> you know, we were we were down here in this group. We were tagged as sinners. We were tagged as ungodly. We were tagged as reprobates. We were tagged as... Uh, but God, in doing what he did in sending his son, uh, gives us a new opportunity... A new designation, and uh, and uh, that's what this word "called" means. Uh, 
There's a verse in Romans, and we'll t- I have this one in the ESV as well. It, um, it, let me read it. Romans 9, 25 and 26. As indeed he says in Hosea, that those who were not my people, will I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there will, there they will be called the sons of the living God. So in this case, uh, and as this verse uh, states that we are given a new designation, we are given a new identification, and it's that of the sons of the living God. Uh, and that's uh, exactly what this uh, verse in First John says, that we should be uh, given this new Sorry, I tend to write small. I don't know if you can read it back there or not. Uh, but we've been given a new designation. Uh, We've been, get, we've been identify, given a new identification. And it's, as we'll see here, the sons of the living God. Um, what an honor. What a blessing. What a privilege. And so let's move on and uh, think about that uh, uh, phrase just a bit. The sons of the living God. And I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to turn to John, the, the Gospel of John, and read. The Gospel of John carries this concept of, of uh, sons of God a lot. John 5, Gospel of John 5, and I'm going to, I'm going to start in verse 17. Maybe make some comments as I read it. But Jesus answered them, "My work, my." But Jesus answered them, "My Father worketh hitherto, and I work." Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not, he had not only broken the Sabbath, but he also, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal to God. Now that's. Uh, that's a, a noteworthy scripture. So, Jesus had done a miracle on the Sabbath day, which in their Jewish culture, in the Old Testament culture, uh, the Sabbath day was a day that you didn't work, you didn't do more than you needed to, and as it often goes in in uh, in time where there's a, uh, or as is a temptation in 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 uh, in a religious group of people, when you're uh, following a law principle, you you tend to have to give more detail to it, which is some of what they had done. Uh, but anyhow, the the uh, the Jews had a problem with Jesus because he had done a miracle and and done a healing on the on the Sabbath day, and then Jesus' response to them where it was. Uh, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Now they had two problems with it. Not only had he done a miracle on the Sabbath day, but he had said, my father 
meaning God is his father, and he had made himself equal to God. And that was a problem to them as well. Uh, And that's what they're dealing with here now. And this is what Jesus is responding to. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, the Father, these also doeth the Son likewise. And he's just, Jesus is now just really zeroing in on the fact that of his relationship with the Father. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed judgment unto the Son, that all men may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father, that he, he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. And I read all of uh, read that m- more for the uh, context of the relationship between son and father, because remember, we in First John, John tells us that we should be called the sons of God. Uh, we're getting a look into this relationship of, a, of that Jesus had with the Father, and it gives us a glimpse into the relationship that we have. In verse 26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Um, yeah, verse 30, I can do, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. <clears throat> and so this context uh, speaks uh, so much of uh, Jesus and his relationship with the Father. And uh, I'd like us to, like I said, think through that a bit in terms of our relationship. Uh, we are sons of God as uh, as uh, John tells us there uh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God um, that relationship is really the same uh, we're not talking about specifically what Jesus did what Jesus had authority to do, what he had power to do. We're not talking about that, but we are talking about the relationship between us and God. We are, when God calls us sons, he brings us up right beside his son, the Lord Jesus, and it's through him, obviously, that we are sons. But we're not, we're not, uh, it's, uh, and I know uh, we have First Corinthians that puts God here, then man and earth, and Jesus and man, and that is all truth. I believe that. That's a chain of authority. But in in position, in being recognized as sons, we uh, we're in that relationship with God. We're we're God views us as uh, in Christ. He views us on the same level of 
recognition. I, I kind of lost words to sometimes know how to say all that. But uh, uh, what manner of love that is that has taken us from this and brought us up to this place of, of uh, standing, of, of, uh, of position with God. Turn to Romans 8. And verse 14 to 17. says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of, the, of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we, that we may be also glorified together. And those verses bear that out well also that uh, we have not received this. Uh, well, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Um, thinking of that verse in Hebrews of boldness that was mentioned this morning. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, to draw back, to be ashamed. I'm not... Uh, 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 yeah, to to degrade ourselves before God, that's not not faith. I mean, obviously, we're not speaking about being arrogant. And we recognize that when we've failed before God, sometimes we do come to God in shame, but we come knowing he wants us to come, knowing he wants us to reach out to that grace and that forgiveness and receive it and and be cleansed and, and rise up and run again. Uh, and so the um, we've not received a spirit of bondage to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby our hearts cry out, "My Father, <laughs> Abba Father, My Father, Our Father," uh, personal to you and I. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Uh, Basically, it puts us all in the same uh, level of status, the word, (laughs) Uh, with God, uh, as children of God. The verse here in in Second Peter and the, and the thought changes just a little bit in that, um, but I think we'll we'll look at it. We'll read that Second uh, Peter one, three and four.
Beginning in verse 3 of Second Peter 1, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And here it talks about being a partaker of the divine nature. Uh, you know, the, uh, the blessing of it is that uh, when, uh, when we respond to uh, God's uh, plan of salvation through Christ and, and by faith become the sons of the living God, uh, and his spirit, like Romans said, his spirit, uh, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Um, and then here it says we become partakers of the divine nature. You know, life takes on a whole new dimension from what it had down here. Life takes on a whole new dimension of walking with God, of, of walking in the spirit, of... of uh, uh, becoming a part of that divine nature. In other words, the Spirit of God is that is that part of God that goes to work in our hearts, and is that is that part of the divine. And as it works in our hearts, that uh, and and changes who we are, who, who uh, changes how we respond to life, changes how we uh, what our thought processes are, changes what our responses are, changes the things that we love and don't love. And all those things, it, it's uh, that divine nature becoming a part of us that we have here, uh, according to the exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. It becomes uh, becomes a part of us. Uh, not only are we, uh, not only does God in His uh, Grace uh, put us in this in the uh, uh, classifies us as a son, but His Spirit goes to work and actually begins to work out His uh, His truths, His beauty in us. And that uh, nature becomes part of us. So, as we think about that process, uh, as we, like we said in the beginning, uh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, as John calls us to to, uh, think deeply, try to understand, try to grasp the... the, uh, depth of the love of God that uh, put in a put this whole uh, uh, plan into action and brought about this this uh, great plan of salvation that we can go from the uh, gutters of sin to be the sons of the living God and and uh, and to consider what love it was that actually made all that happen, uh, and that's what we're—that's what uh, 
John is calling us to consider here in this verse. Behold, think about the type of love that the father had, the depth of it, the breadth of it, the, the, the uh, greatness of it that he uh, bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. And so I, I think I'll uh, close with that. And here's a uh, close with this verse here in Colossians 1, uh, 12, and th- 12 to 14. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Um, that word meet basically means qualified. Um, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made has uh, made us uh, worthy to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness has delivered us from this pit of sin and translated us into the kingdom of his living of, in, into the kingdom of his son of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins and so I'd like to close with that verse. Uh, again, the what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be uh, delivered from the power of darkness, should be translated into the kingdom of his Son, should have redemption through his blood, should have forgiveness of our sins. What manner of love God has bestowed upon us. Again, if you're able, let's kneel together and we'll close with prayer.